0: Great. Okay. So team, we're live. It's uh, 65, episode 65 of the Adrian Bowe podcast. And I'm absolutely delighted today to welcome Dane Atherton from uh, Harcourt's Coastal. Um, And we were just chatting offline previously. uh, And and the beauty about this uh, podcast, uh, listeners, is that I'm going to learn the journey about Dane uh, the same way you are. I've been a massive admirer of uh, of, of Dane and what he's done with uh, with his business um, and as a real estate professional. So uh, I'm going to learn as as you do. So, what, well, Dane? Welcome, buddy.
1: Great to be on the show. Thank you very much for having me, Adrian.
0: Absolute pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. As I said, mate, I've been a massive admirer of, of the work that you've been doing. It'd be remiss not to probably go back to when your career first started, um, uh, Dane. Like, talk, talk us through that, how, how that
1: Yeah, started. well, it's funny, it's funny that um, we're doing this because I've got a bit of a confession to make for my own because when I, started, I actually started in 1999 um, with a boutique agency on the Gold Coast called Lambert Smollin. Yes. Um, with of course Shane Smolin, who's yes. well documented, great leader of McGrath's. Yes.
0: Um,
1: and I remember being in that boutique agency, being in this regional, you know, cool city of the Gold Coast. Yep. And um, McGrath was kind of like the Beatles, and, um, <laughs> and 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 we kind of looked at we kind of looked at that business as the and it was the leading the EdgeClick business, leading business in Australia, yep. and uh, it was just this sort of you know this band, and you're one of the lead singers, mate. Um, so Thanks, I, I actually I actually reflect on that so yeah started as a PA to, a, to, a, to a, an agent um, a senior agent um, by the name of Andrew Gibbons who was yes. from Sydney moved up to the Gold Coast learned a lot from him yep. um, and then I spent a year down in Sydney in, in your neck of the woods um, as a PA and then came back to the Gold Coast was a salesperson and then eventually gravitated into full time auctioneering and training so my background leading up to being a business owner now has really predominantly been auctioneering and training,
0: right? Okay. Um, and Harcourt's Coastal, t- t- tell me a bit about that. What's what, what's the um, the 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 leadership or ownership model? Um, what's your role in it? And and what, what's the breadth of the of the of the the staff and 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 officers currently?
1: Yeah. So we've got Harcourt's Coastal started in twenty eleven June twenty eleven. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, we, we basically bought an existing business, which is kind of more like a shell of a business with a few agents that came, um, two of those awesome people are still with us. There was three, um, two are still with us. We've grown now three offices, um, across the Gold Coast, Broadbeach, Paradise Point, Rabina. um, Broadbeach and Paradise Point are owned by myself and Rabina I have a, I have a partner in there. Um, great agent, great leader, James Massey. Um, we've got, I think, 140 people across the three three offices. We've got, I think, 1,250 managements. Um, we've got um, about 75 salespeople, including some of them as as dual agents. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's been, and, and particularly recently, we've put on a sales director, an awesome guy called Rob Ford, um, mm-hmm. who's grown the business even more. I think we've got eight established agents that have joined us. In the last four weeks. So we're kind of going through that next phase. It's kind of like the iPhone where you look back on your old business, you know, it might be the original Nokia and, and you're kind of rocking around with this really cool version of it now, but I'm sure in five years time, we'll look back and think, wow, you know, haven't we evolved again? Hopefully.
0: Absolutely. So 75 agents, that's, that's a, a, a sizable business. Um, what's the um, what's the management process of those agents and accountability and training? Is it as it at an office level or at, at a, at a, at a higher leadership level? Um, how's how does that work?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. We're probably a bit different to a lot of other businesses where um, we, we tend to have an established agent model. So we don't have, very, very rarely do we have newer people or inexperienced people being inducted in, trained, um, you know, in, and, and sort of grown inside the business. We, we have the view that there's enough people out there who are, in inverted commas, orphaned or neglected or yes. need, need another environment that if they were, you know, they don't need the basic training, but they kind of need the higher level coaching. Yes, um, yes. And that's obviously that's not as that's that's where my passion is mm-hmm. um, and that's where my skill set is. Probably like yourself, yes. where um, where that's the that's where you think you can make the biggest impact. So we've really recruited around where we think I can have the biggest impact in coaching, um, and we've also got a, a obviously now with with Rob joining us, we've we've, we've strengthened that. Yes. But we don't have a real micromanaging kind of role. Obviously, the Rabina office has James in there leading the team, so he takes a really big role in in, in helping agents' growth. Mm-hmm. But um, if if you take the the 10 agents in that business the the few remaining are, are managed currently by Rob and I but I wouldn't really call it managed we we um you know we kind of partner with them we grow with them deal support listing support some of those agents would call me 10 11 times a day i go to listing presentations with them i help them negotiate some of those agents literally high five me once a once a week as they write a sale on the board so it, it's different level of uh, of um, coaching and accountability depending on what an individual wants and needs.
0: Excellent. And with yourself, Dane, do you still run an immediate EBU uh, or a sales team as such just for your day-to-day listing or you're referring only to, to your, your other agents?
1: Yeah, that's right. I don't sell at all. So okay. that, obviously that's a, a good caveat there. Managing and running a business with that many agents and still running a sales business would be extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Um I don't do that. I, I think I don't think I could do both well. Yep. Um so yeah, no, I don't run an EBU. I kinda my, my, my sales my sales team are my clients.
0: Okay, good. So without putting words in your mouth, would that act as a very good recruitment tool that you're telling agents that you're not competing against your principal? Um, it can do. I mean, look, people, people that people that are strong selling
1: principles um, obviously have a different uh, a different selling proposition which will be come and learn from me and you know but i i kind of look at it this way and this is a bit cheeky but i kind of say well you know if you want to be michael jordan or you want to be scotty pippen you know if you yeah. if you want to be yeah. michael jordan well i can help you be that and that's my goal to create to create leaders in marketplaces um and it's not so much a you know, a, a recruiting pitch as it is, just just different approaches. There's some great selling principal businesses out there that do that really well, but there are some that actually probably make it about the principal too much. Yes. Um, and then there are some great, and that's a balance. And I recognise there's versions of that done extremely well and extremely poorly. Um, it really, it's really got to do with what what I'm, yeah, you know, what what I what I what I want to do in my business and what I feel I'm good at and what my energy's around. So mm. definitely, definitely we. Um, definitely that's something that um, does get brought up by people who have frustration about that in their own current environment where they are competing against their principal.
0: Interesting. Yeah, so what I uh, am taking away is you, you very much work on the business rather than in the business. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a constant evolution and iteration of, 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 of itself um, each and every quarter or year or the, however the way your metrics work.
1: Yeah, that's right. But if you go back over the last, say, nine years, I mean, there's periods there's periods of platform growth, plateau, rapid growth, plateau, rap, you know, platform mm. growth, all, that, all of that usual cycles that everyone goes through. And, you know, that cycle of, you know, you're in a high-growth environment, then you get complacent. And then if you're not too careful before you know it, you're getting a bit, um, bit negative. Mm. Um, you know, so we've been through all those cycles now, and we're not immune to any of that. Yeah. Um, I think the key is actually just identifying where you are, where you're at in that cycle, so you can actually make changes. Because, I mean, I'm sure you're the same, but it's really growth. And the growth isn't just about more people, it's growth of you. It's prim- primarily growth of your existing team, getting better, building your business, as you say, working on it, whether that's improving your website, whether that's improving your marketing, whether that's, you know, getting, getting um, like yesterday, for example, we did a, um, a big appraisal run. Hadn't had done one before, probably a little bit skeptical about how it was going to go. Not everyone in the team engaged in it, but the people that did, oh, they were pulling some phenomenal numbers around it. And it's interesting how that that wasn't that wasn't for everyone. But if you know if fifteen or twenty agents get a, a better performance out of themselves from that day because of it, then it was worthwhile. So we're always looking for to ways to to help individuals. You know, become it sounds like a cliche, but to become the best they can be.
0: Excellent. So that uh, prospecting run or appraisal run, you mean you got everyone in a room and said, right, for the next half an hour, we're going we're to make as many calls as possible and book as many appraisals as possible. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And it was done over a Zoom, um, you know, across the three offices. Exactly right. Yeah. And there were yeah. and everything.
0: Look, it's amazing. I do that. Pretty much on most coaching sessions that I would uh, work with companies on, usually on the second session. So the first session I would normally do skill set, um, talk about database prospecting, the listing presentation, the set to sell meeting and how to build a team. So the main pillars. And then the next one, it's all about uh, let's let's put aside half an hour and actually book in some face-to-face because as you know, Dane, mate, prospecting is just one means to an end of many to achieve where the magic happens and that is face-to-face meetings, right? Because yeah. no no listings occur without face-to-face, no offers occur without face-to-face, no deals get done. So a lot of people put this whole focus and emphasis on prospecting, but it's one of about 13 verticals that that lead to um, the, the magic and that's, that's the face-to-face. And I think, you know, in a high-tech and high-touch environment, um, which we all should be at now, a lot of people are forgetting that and they're sort of... Too high tech and probably too low touch, um, where it's impossible to re- replicate uh, or di- disintermediate that that face to face appointment with a buyer or a seller.
1: That's I'm so glad you said that. It's interesting. I was having a chat with a guy this morning, um, and it, it was really he's, it's almost an obsession with just ticking the box to make the calls. Yeah. Yet, yet it's almost like that. I, I use that analogy of you know when Batman gets called out. He's down the bat pole. He's in the Batmobile. It's like game on, yeah. and and I think sometimes people, you know, because of course there's so much self development, so much coaching. It's all about numbers, connects, all mm-hmm. those kinds of things. But yet they're, they're they're not they're not understanding that you do all that work to get face to face. So when you have a face to face opportunity, that's a priority, and that's why we do it. Yeah. So it, it's being but having, having. I think sometimes people get a little bit unflexible, inflexible with their 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 structure and i mean you might have a different approach there but i think i think um that's where we're going with this don't be too obsessed about ticking the box it's just one way to get through the door but the whole objective is actually getting in the door
0: yeah i agree no I, i do totally agree with it i've just got two philosophies one's A top-down approach which is yeah like the the short game which is you know if you can make a call and get get in you or your lead agent into the door and and either just get a price check which which is they're not selling but just want to get an idea that's an effective meeting or if it's an actual listing opportunity great meeting but also a bottom-up effect which is like nurture the call don't push to get in If they're not sellers necessarily, you know, if someone says, look, my kid's doing the HSC, it's just not gonna, you know, like be a master sifter or a qualifier don't try and be an alchemist where you turn try and turn stone into gold you know it's just not going to happen you're much better off nurturing that prospect for two years if that's what it took or five years if that's what it takes and then you won't burn the opportunity when 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 it does arise so no yeah that's that's
1: that's really that's a really great point adrian i think you know that um that idea that there's no such thing as a bad lead there's just Mm. bad follow-up and yep. and uh, and and you know that's exactly what you're saying. You know this idea that we're going to be able to give a script to convert someone who's completely not ready to sell into it into an appraisal, just to tick the appraisal box, and then annoy them, and, and then inevitably what happens is that appraisal gets put to the bottom of the top deck, top drawer, and then no one keeps in touch, and then they think it's a shit lead. Pardon my French. No and, then they, and then they drive past in six months, and there's a competitor's board up, and they're missing they're missing the most important part of that whole process, which is the frequency builds trust over the long-term long-term part of that relationship.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was um, interviewing Ryan Sirhat, which I'm going to actually um, publish on this podcast in a couple of weeks. There's just a bit of editing to do, but he spoke a lot about. Um, and for those who don't know, Sirhat, he's he's on Million Dollar Listing. I mean, he's a bit of a sort of a, a flashy guy, but I've got to tell you, his dialogue and um, um, and just as a practitioner, he's he's outstanding in my opinion. He talks Dane a lot about follow up, follow through, and follow back. So yeah. I, I just love that that matrix or that framework around um, you know you've got to make the initial follow-up you got to actually get back to people by following through and then get follow back so if there's there's agents listening to this Dane who delusionally are spending thousands of dollars on let's call it letterbox drops or social media yet they've got Three, four, five hundred people in their database who they sold a property to two years ago, and those people haven't heard from them. It's insanity, um, you know. And those people are already raving fans. You you were immersed in their life for four to eight weeks. You knew their kid's name. You knew everything about them. Um, you earned you know ten to sixty thousand dollars in commission, um, and they haven't heard from you for three years. It's it's just insane, you know. So yeah. that that that's low hanging fruit. I'm mean, going ideally do both. Do both. And that's, yeah. a, that's where you get rapid growth. But I just think there's a lot of people that are, that are just missing the point.
1: Well, that's exactly what I – I don't want to take over your interview here, but I'm interested in your opinion on this as an elite agent for many, many years that you mentioned short game versus long game. Hmm. So – and I guess it depends, you know, and, you, you know, doing we, – we're talking about a complete agent does both, which I'm sure you've done for many, many years. But what do you think is the most important part based on someone's career cycle? Because there's no point being too long game focused in in day one. Well, when mm-hmm. I say too long game focused, I mean there's no point um, you know building a database you know of, of, of appraisals that are going to re- that are going to flourish in 12 months mm-hmm. when you actually will not be around in 12 months if you don't eat soon. You know. So mm-hmm. what 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 advice do you have for people to balance that short game, long game, and and you know if you were, if you were giving that advice to to listeners now about You know, what, what ratio of focus, depending on where someone is at at a career and how do you balance that?
0: Yeah. Well, look, I, I do this on a daily basis with, with clients being agents, you know, and I've got some key metrics, um, and and three key metrics fall under the short game and every agent i work with must email me their accountability metrics and the three short game metrics are obviously listing sale sales and offer and acceptances right so that's yeah. that's easy that's the easy part the the challenge is that most sales managers directors principals that's where it ends that's where the accountability ends you know and mm. the frustrating part for a lot of agents in the industry, Dane is they get disheartened quickly because there's a lot of donuts at the end of those metrics on a weekly basis, right? Yeah. A lot of, lot, lot of zeros. So, um, so the other metrics that I heavily focus on, which fall under the long game for me, is the number of data. Um, entries that you've actually built that is people that own real estate so buyers are separate but i'm talking about actual people that even if they say to you dane i'm getting carried out in a box or if they say dane i'm selling in six 12 months or even two years so that that is a data entry and the next one is is face-to-face appointments now face-to-face appointments can be a buyer appointment it can be a price check for someone who's not selling yet it can be a current uh, vendor alignment meeting on price or it could be a proper listing opportunity right it can even be a competitor's open house just to boost your product knowledge so what happens now dane is 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 um i have agents agents emailing me saying bowie mate um not a bad week this week. Um, I only listed one. I didn't sell anything, but the great news is, mate, I added 38 people to my database and I had 14 face-to-face meetings. Now, prior to me working with them, mate, they were kicking stones. You know, their the yeah. energy was flat. It was like, mate, I've had, I've had, you know, six weeks in a row, no listings, no sales. The problem was no one was measuring the long game for them. Um, no. And, and by doing this, what I've given them is, is hope. I've given them, a tangible uh, curated uh, weekly activity scorecard where they can say, well, mate, I've worked eight, 10, 12, 14 hours, whatever it is. And I actually have achieved something, you know? Yeah. Um,
1: so That's think- brilliant. And that's brilliant. I love that um, coaching that accountability on that part of the business. And you're right, that slips with the cracks. It's I often think about when a salesperson toiling away, goes home each day, each week, and their partner asks that inevitable dreaded question of what did you sell today? And, and um, you know, they're driving that, you know, really they're asking questions about outcomes rather than their actual job. You know, if sales Correct. is an outcome, well, then the actual job, it shouldn't be darling, what did you sell today? It should be darling, how many contacts of property owners in your marketplace did you connect with and enter? Yep. And, and what follow-up are you doing? We got. We almost. We almost need to train our partners how to coach us when we get home.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's true. And if anyone is listening to this, and if anyone is asking you, um, you know, how'd you go this week, or how'd you go today, you know, use those metrics and say, "Hey, it was awesome, man. I had I had five meetings today. You know, like." You know, one went for 20 minutes, which was a price check. The other one was only 15 minutes because it was a buyer appointment. One was a 90-minute actual listing opportunity, which I may or may not get. The other one was um, a vendor alignment meeting because, you know, I just needed to get face-to-face with them just to talk through an offer. That's a good day. You do that you do that five days a week, 50 weeks of the year, let me tell you, you're gonna have a cracking career, you know? Um, that's right,
1: as opposed to, I sold something today but I was completely unproductive because I let the deal rob me of future business. You
0: absolutely. know? It's
1: just, yeah, and, and exactly right, that's brilliant.
0: Mate, if you don't mind sharing, um, we don't have to talk about GCI, but volume of sales for, for your group, say on an annual basis, like what's that looked like over the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, well, we've, we've, uh, our Broadbeach business is now pretty clearly the number one GCI business in, uh, in, in the Queensland in terms of revenue. Yep. Um, so we were doing sort of 10, 11 million out of Broadbeach. We're on track now to do 13, 14. Amazing.
0: Um,
1: and, and as a collective group, property management, um, we're about 25 million in, in revenue. That includes about two and a half in property management. Um, our... Our, our Broadbeach business is the number one franchise for Harcourts in Australia, and the Paradise Point business is actually very proudly the number two business for Harcourts in Australia. So we actually have the number one and two businesses for Harcourts Australia. Um, and look, the, the exciting part is like, I mean, it sounds terrible. the the the, pr- the current the current climate has created an extraordinary active market up here, mm. and you know, particularly winter, we we I think we did just over three hundred million in written business, unconditional written business for, the, for, for, the, for winter in the three months. Um, we're now halfway through the month we're in. Um, and, you know, I think we're 90-something sales. So you know, it's just pumping. So we're, 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 we're kind of keeping the momentum while it's there because obviously you've got your foot on the throat, proverbially. So we're just trying to push as hard as we can and grow our people. And it's very, very exciting times.
0: Yeah, they're very impressive numbers, and um, obviously, you know, not, not 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 trying to capitalise on on what's a dire situation, but it's obvious that that Queensland is going to be uh, and continue to be a a desired destination. I mean, the the weather's great. Um, obviously, you know, there's the least sort of COVID numbers around, um, you know, it's, it's the density's not as, not as high. The affordability is, is still outstanding, you know, nationally. So it's, I'm not, I'm not surprised mate that, that, um, that that's the way your business is headed. So, in terms of volume of sales then, I'd say last fin year, if you don't mind sharing, for all three offices, how, how many deals would you have done?
1: 1,100 sales roughly. It's all on a, we, we actually publish our volume on our website. So on our, on our um, uh, front cover of our website, coastal.com.au, we've got a, a running tally of total sales. I think last time I checked, not that I check it every 20 minutes, it's, um, it's, uh, I think it was 1,100 roughly sales. Incredible. Is that, is that your record year? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, particularly the last quarter, if we were to extrapolate that, the, the, the quarter we've, we're just about to close, mm-hmm. um, those numbers will be even higher again
0: amazing mate i've got to, i've got to take my hat off to you mate like there's uh there's very few people in the industry that can um uh, preside over that type of volume i know you've got support you've got management you've got you know you've got a lot of good people around you but at the end of the day mate it's 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 your name on the door and and you're the brain's trust behind it so mate, I, I, you know a, a on behalf of the industry mate I, I take my hat off to you it's just a new thank you mate and, and
1: as you would well know mate when you get a a rap like that, which I really appreciate. As you know, it is—it isn't me. It's um, yeah. it's a collection of all the crew we have, and we're just very fortunate that we've got an amazing team. And you know, we're always very thankful every day for that.
0: Yeah, and mate, look, it's 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 very modest and humble of you, and 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 that's great. Um, and look, I've personally been responsible for you know opening you know company-owned offices i've rolled out franchise offices i've seen the best and the worst of um, overspending underspending um, getting the model right getting the model wrong um, you know running extremely profitable businesses and then unfortunately not profitable businesses so I've, i've seen it all you seem touch wood so far to have cracked the code in terms of the model, um, so from what I understand, all three offices are, are, are company owned, but you've got a partner plan in place. Um, that that's that's the that's the nucleus of it, right? That's the in in, in summary, that that's the model. Yep, yep. that's right. Okay. Good. And and Harcourts um, for a lot of people who don't know, because it's not huge in New South Wales. Um, Tell us a little bit about more of that. It's an it's an actual genuine franchise, or is it a co-op? Or how, yeah, how no,
1: it? it's it, it's a franchise, and it's mm. uh it's born in born in New Zealand, right? And and um, I an awesome group, great values, awesome people, and I can honestly say, in terms of the exposure I've had to the leaders within within the Harcourt's group, particularly New mm-hmm. Zealand, mm. and I know you would know a few of them. Um, mm-hmm. namely someone like Martin Cooper, yes. um, the Grenadier boys with um, Andy Freeman, Lynn McF- yeah. Lynette McFadden from Gold and Christchurch and Tony Jenkins and yes. all those guys, um, you know, do an amazing job and they've, they've really been inspirational and very helpful to me because they're kind of like a glimpse into the future of what you can do. I mean, for example, I remember I had this, this kind of um, mooring line, if you like, where I thought, oh, you can't grow a big business and, and keep personal connection. Yeah, And I remember going to Wellington to an awards night and I was sitting on Martin Cooper's, one of his, his t- 10 tables that he had in the, mm. in the whole place. Mm. And I remember just, I thought, I'm just going to see whether what these guys think of the business. So I, I went around and started asking them all what they thought of Martin, what they thought of the business. And I was blown away by, you know, the, the, the personal connection they all had with the business and the leader and their managers. And I thought, well, He showed me that that was actually a false belief so that I've come Mm. back and gone, well, Mm. you know, this is, it isn't true that you you only, you know, you can only be personal and connection. And I go out of my way every day to make sure that people here feel connected Mm. by, by connecting with them. Like, it's not, not that difficult. If you want people to feel connected, you've got to connect with them. And you, one thing that I think is so true for customer service or relationships is you just can't fake caring. If you actually care and you actually you know, really want to make a difference and really want to help people, well, you're 99% of the way there, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. So Harcourts, for the people who don't know, so that, is, that a, is that a privately owned franchise or group? Yeah, it is. And it's, it's own, New Zealand based, well, but the, the, it's, it's international, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. So their the head office is in Brisbane, the international head office, but they were born um, in New Zealand. They're the, the leading franchise in New Zealand have been for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're in they're in Australia, they're in America, um, you know, they're in uh, Fiji or uh, Indonesia. I think mm-hmm. they've got uh, representation in China, so it is a it is an international business. And yep. yeah, good, outstanding outstanding company, outstanding leadership.
0: Awesome. So, would you say though, and with no disrespect to Harcourts or any any brand for that matter, um, you really treat it as a, as a platform, but coastal. Is 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 what you're promoting, and Harcourts just happens to be a platform that provides resources um, and and IT, maybe maybe a, a, a CRM or whatever it might be. Would that be fair enough to say?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the way I would explain it is that Harcourts are savvy enough to understand that. Uh, you know there, there's there 's the extent there's the, there 's the primary brand and then there 's the brand extension which is the coastal yeah. so yes it al- it allows it allows um, businesses and business owners to you know develop their own flavor culture style feel yeah. um, you know within within the within the brand so you still get the benefits and strength of the brand, but you also have your own just dis- very distinct flavor and feel so okay. yeah there 's no doubt about it that that is something that I think you know, I'm appreciative of the group for having that view because it really it really is something that's important to us.
0: And is that common within Harcourts for for many business owners to call it Harcourts, you've got Coastal, but Harcourts, say, Adrian Bow or Harcourts, something else? Is that is that common flexibility that they Yeah, that they it offer? is. Yeah. It, yeah. it definitely is.
1: That really becomes almost a sub-brand, yeah. um, which, which is a real identifier, particularly in somebody like Christchurch, where mm. Harcourts as a group has... So over 50% market share. So in a lot of cases, their, their biggest competitors are other Harcourt's offices. So yep. having that separator in the brand is actually very important in, in places like that.
0: Yep. What are your thoughts based on that, Dane, with the newest um, players in the game, like EXP and Urban X, who not too dissimilar in that they offer a platform and you know you can open you know a Dane Atherton real estate and and they offer the services and things what 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 are your views on that
1: oh it's a great question adrian mm-hmm.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'll get a glass i'll get a glass of wine Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting because i mean i've got to be careful because i'm judging it on what the model that i believe in and the model that i see yeah. works within my business so i yep. i'm not suggesting for a moment that i have all the answers but all mm. i know mm. i mean for i'll start back from the beginning of when covid hit mm. when covid hit and everyone was working from home um for for the, a couple of weeks there I, I had this panic that you know i'm gonna have all these leases no one's gonna want to come into the office everyone's gonna <laughs> work from home the mm-hmm. revolution of 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 um you know of, of getting away from offices is gonna start that was yeah. one of my fears yeah but deep down, I knew that what we did had meaning. Deep down, I knew that we had value. And, and I do believe in that word environment. Mm-hmm. It's like saying to the Sydney Roosters, look, you guys go and train. You guys go and do your own thing and um, come back and we'll play on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in theory, you know, that might work. But I'm very interested to see and I'm, I'm calling, you know, I, I'd, I'd challenge to see this. I'll I'd, I'd be very interested. I'd be very interested to see the tax return of someone who's had 12 months away from an office, away from an environment, Mm. some people are going to thrive in that. But Mm. I would say most people, including myself, it probably wouldn't get the best out of me. Mm. So Mm. so I think that model can work for some people, but I think for true elite performers, I do think they value, and and not not just elite performers, but people who value connection, culture. um, And I know that they can be sometimes words that people use to mask value. That's not mm. the only thing. It's got to be valued. There's got to be genuine support, whether that's through administration, marketing, leadership training, deal support, yeah. um, all those things. I would I would be very interested to see if for someone to make a move to that, whether or not that actually has an increase in their business. I don't I don't personally um, believe for most people it's a great move career wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, I'm going to say that because I run a business that is a high support, high touch. Yeah, you know, uh, high value, high value model.
0: Yeah, I, I actually personally think you're probably somewhere in between the traditional model and this so called new model because the traditional would be say your know, L J Hooker. Uh, or Century Twenty One, where you're confined within very, very restricted marketing parameters. You you can't call call it coastal. You can't do anything. And then you've yeah. got the other extreme, which is say Urban X or XP, which is like go for your life, call it whatever you want, and we just want to be powered by and yeah. don't have an office. Uh, and saying that, both of those malls by the way, they don't discourage the bricks and mortar office. They just it just lends itself more to sort of yes. working from home. So. This, I reckon you've. That's why I said before. I personally think you've cracked the code in that you've yeah. you've got the flexibility. Because I'm sure if one of your agents approached you and said, "Dane, I reckon I'm a lot more productive working from home. I'll come to every sales meeting. I'll come to every caravan if we do it. But mate, this is this is what I'm comfortable with. You know, I, I, and mate, if the, if the runs are on the board, it's not something you're you're gonna you're gonna discourage.
1: percent. Oh, and and I think um, look, we've already got that to be truthful. Yes. It's, it's already yeah. happening. I, yeah. I think, um, I think the, the thing that I'd raise too, like, I think it's, I don't know, you, you go into an agent who's doing well and they're, doing, they're in an environment, it's all pumping, and this, this seduction of being my own boss, running my own business, mm. and look, I'm not saying every franchise is to blame here, but there is a lot to be accounted for in our industry mm. about taking an elite salesperson out of a business and and having this misguided notion that business ownership is the next logical career step Mm -hmm. because as you well know not everyone is going to make that transition from elite salesperson to business owner and 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 i think we need to do more work on 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 really helping people understand that it's effectively a career change you know it's like the the dj now running the nightclub as well it may not be it actually may not actually be the best thing for each individual. Now, when I say that, sometimes it sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm protecting the forbidden land. Don't do what I do. Hey, you guys keep selling. It's not the case for everyone. I understand that, but it isn't, it is a difficult transition. And you know, you look at someone like Bob Wolf, um, you know, understands he's not going to run a business. You know him well, mm. he's a, he's a, he's an elite agent that's built wealth through property, not necessarily through being a business owner. Correct. Um, so, so I think I think we need to do more work on that education part of that, and mm. my advice to anyone is if you 're about to go and do that, go and go and have a conversation with someone who's done it well, and then go and have a conversation with someone who who was an elite agent and maybe it didn't work out because they'll give you a perspective of what worked and what didn 't work
0: yeah, and, uh, and look it, it can come from me without being biased because i 'm on the other side now, and for for a lot of my career dane. Um, I was an agent at McGrath, and my main wealth creation was was listing and selling, and then investing in real estate. It wasn't until 2008, you know, some, you know, 15 or 18 years after working into the business, that I got to be an investor in the business. But the beauty with that is I di- I didn't have any hands-on management requirement it wasn't until then I launched my own office and then I got a corporate role that that changed but um, you know I, I speak to a lot of agents and they they say great I've hit a certain level with GCI and volume the next step for me is I've got to be a franchisee and and you, you say to them well let me tell you mate what is the purpose is it is it wealth creation or is it ego because let me tell you if it's wealth creation unless you got massive massive scale um, ie Shane Smolin you know we in his business or someone like yourself um you know having a small one-off business trying to recruit trying to run a trust account trying to list and sell trying to manage and wear seven hats it ain't necessarily the magic dust to wealth creation right Um, oh absolutely
1: mate and and i'd say to anyone who's thinking about that is that before you go and You know, you know, and what people say all the time is, I want to get off the grind. You know, I I don't want to sell anymore. And I'm like, well, hang on, you're just jumping from one grind to another grind. I mean, if you you look at it this way, walk out to your sales floor right now, have a look at all those people on the sales floor and ask yourself, do you want them to be your new clients? Are you comfortable with them being, are you comfortable with being accountable to them on a daily basis? Because that's exactly what's going to happen. So you go from having vendors that now, drive your accountability predominantly. That's the service offering you're giving. They mm. employ you, engage you. Now, yeah. salespeople. So, I mean, th- I'm sure that would be a, a scary thought for some people when they walk out and, 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 and have that conversation. Um, you know, salespeople are, um, uh, are not necessarily um, conduced, you know, or, or they're not necessarily automatically just going to become leaders. It's not, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, some of them are great at it. And there's heaps of examples of that. But I just think there's far too much of a, of a, of a well, this is the logical step. This is the way you've got to go. Um, just because a franchise group wants to grow and stick you in. If you go well, great. If you don't, well, you know, we'll get someone else in there.
0: Yeah. Look, yeah, you're right. Some people have made the transition well, but there's a lot more that probably haven't. And being a sales agent is probably the most poorly equipped skill set to actually become a business owner um (laughs) because yeah because your highest and best use is listing and selling it ain't worrying about the receptionist or the photocopy machine breaking down or whatever it might be and until you do reach scale unfortunately they're the hats that you that that you've got to wear you know i mean it was different for me i I launched the mcgrath coogee office um and we turned it into a 10 million dollar office in under two years but i had skin in the game you know i was i was a, i was a shareholder of the business and i think the mistake you know now looking back is we use that as a case study and tried to replicate it with company-owned offices um but, but there's only
1: one adrian bow <laughs> yeah.
0: well we, we put sales managers in who don't have skin in the game who get paid as you know usually less than what their top agents make and nothing against them but it's uh, it's not the same it's not the same no, you know it's not. um and we've seen plenty of case studies, uh, where we've converted company owned offices to uh, franchise and suddenly there's a whole different sh- energy, whole different mindset. Um, you know, they're, 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 they're there every day. They've got their account- agents accountable. They've got skin in the game. So it is very different, but look, th- there needs to be models for everyone. I think, yeah, I think there's right. room, there's room for people who want to grow a business like you in the industry. There's still room for the EXP and urban X person. So I just, I just I, you know, today I had a, a a call from Ben Wakeley and he couldn't be happier you know he was yeah. uh, he, he, he's, he's been in it 18 years he said to me Bowie mate I, I wouldn't know the first thing about bloody trust accounting or anything like that and mate when I made the move I was you know I talked to all the, the big players uh, but mate I've, 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 I've opened Ben Wakeley real estate and frankly I just use Urban X as a platform to do all that crap for me and mate you know he's, he's just he's, he's going to do two million dollars in fees so it's, it's, there's, there's a place for it right? right? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I think that's the beauty of it. And I think the the fact that the landscape's changing, I think that the industry is constantly evolving, um, can only be a good thing. Um, but yeah, I, I still come back to your model. And I, I think, again, mate, it's a great model. And from what I understand, the Harcourts aren't the high, don't charge as high as the more traditional sort of franchise or groups. And, and that's probably some of the key to their success and, and being able to recruit, you know, top principals like yourself.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, they're pretty comparable to be fair with, um, okay. you know, with the whites and the, and the hookers. and um, But, you know, I, I mean, look, I think um, you're right. I think it, it comes down to, there is a, there is a place, whatever works for the individual, but we, yeah. we, we kind of take the approach that the salesperson here is the client. Yeah, And, and we run a business that services something right down to our administration team, who are one of the most important parts of our business. Because I think when people hand over, you know, the portion of their commission, they leave in the office, Yeah, you know, you can, you, you know, you can't eat culture. You can't eat, you know, it comes down to what value they are actually getting yep. and, and what value they're getting is what support you're supplying. So awesome. that's a, that's a really big thing in our business is we've got to, I think we've got one of the most committed and and, and highly skilled administration teams. Um, and I think if anyone was to ring any of our people and ask them off the record, you'll get a really good assessment as to what value they get as you know comparatively to, to what other offices they might've come from around the place that may not be, see that as a big, as a big value. Cause you know, this idea of, well, you know, we'll give them X split, they can employ their own PAs um, and then go for it. That's one model. The problem I find with that model and the experience we've had is when, when, when agents have done that, well, first of all, they're not necessarily professionally skilled at hiring people. Mm. So often they'll, often they'll hire themselves or a friend who may not have the skill set. So they're hiring someone to be a running mate that really should be an administration support that doesn't have those skills. And then they've got to lead and manage that person. So if we, if we can take that component off them, don't get me wrong, um, there's a lot of teams in our business but if we can take that professional administration services off them and actually deliver that, um, we think we can do a far better job than any individual can do at that.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that, you know, because if you asked me five years ago, I'd say to any agent, the first team member you should put on is an admin person. So they can ensure that all you're doing is dollar productive activity. And the second team member you should put on is an associate agent who's basically a clone of yourself and is hyper dollar productive 100% of the time. I've got yeah. a different um, mentality and, and, and recommendation to agents these days. Um, I personally think that the, the the first person you should put on should be income generating. Um, yeah. It should be lead generation. And I think either your office should provide some sort of admin marketing support, um, maybe not out of office, i.e. conducting pest and building inspection, no. think, but, but at least in office in terms of, hey, here's, here's an agency agreement or a form six, you know, please process it and let's get to the point from list to launch, or you do a deal and you've got a signed contract, please make sure this, this exchanges and settles on time. I think that's that now should be minimum expectation for, for any for any business.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So tell me mate, um, you wouldn't get to where you are without um, a very good culture and a very good retention. Either process or uh, or strategy, um, may, or they might not be mutually exclusive. Actually, those two things, culture and retention. Tell us a little bit about the things that you do that that help you um, and that have uh, enabled you to maintain such good um, um, consistency on both those areas.
1: Yeah, well, I think what, I think I have to give uh, Mike Green, Paul Wright, and the late Steve Collins credit for this because I think that kind of does. Permeate down from the Harcourts uh, franchise in terms of what I learn a lot from those guys is, you know, part of our values are people first. That's the first value: um, doing the right thing, um, being courageous, and fun and laughter. And the thing is, I think, I think making sure that every every individual in your company is appreciated is something that we really try and and foster. And you can do that through it. it, it there's no point putting on an event. If you walk straight past someone, don't say hello and don't care. Yeah. So you've got it. You, as I said before, the first thing is you've actually got to care. Yeah. And, and 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 right from someone's birthday, that's that's a special experience. Right from someone's, um, you know, our, our, our anniversary of our of the birth of our business. We've just celebrated nine years. We took the whole team up to a, an awesome place, um, a, a farm, and we did a beautiful lunch. And you know that was a that was a way of us showing appreciation. We also. Recognized tenures at Harcourt's Coastal. So, um, do you remember you got a watch belly?
0: I, I I sure did. I got one on yes. one at uh, twenty years, another one at twenty five years. Unfortunately, it uh, it triggered a, uh, a an obsession with watches, which has been an expensive <laughs> expensive hobby.
1: No, I remember seeing. I remember seeing that and thinking yeah. that's that's cool. That's better than a bunch of flowers. Yeah, and and and, and a card and the scratch it. And I and I yeah. just had this idea when we first started that I didn't want someone being in my business ten years and then you know you you, you haven't celebrated anything and then. They get this, you know, scratch it in the card saying thanks for 10 years, you know. So for me, I thought we started we started this um, tenure program where it doesn't start year one. It starts from year two. So basically from year two right up to year nine, which is our most current year, we, we give a significant appreciation gift to people on the anniversary of them working for us. So it starts from a bottle of Dom Perignon. It goes right up to... Um, last year someone in our team had had been eight years we sent him and his son to the to the NRL grand final flew them over his son over from Auckland put them up they had an awesome experience and that is just our way of saying hey thanks now to be honest our wife my wife and I didn't probably envisage that we'd have 70 people that were (laughs) going to be around and and celebrating um you know seven eight nine years but I'm happy to invest that because I just want everyone to feel like we don't take for granted the fact that they come to work every day. And I think that's part of it. It's not this always about remuneration. We try and pay as fairly and as much as we can for the, for the value we provide and, and our, our team provide, but it's just, a it's just people want to be part of something. And I really believe we do have something special, but that's only because of the people within our organization. So tenures is a big thing. That's just an automatic every year. We're in a position where we, 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 we hand over something as a small token of our appreciation to each person that's in our business. And part of that is actually then acknowledging that person in front of the whole team and we will often say very, very um, true and accurate words about what they've contributed. Yeah. So then you add to that our events. We're really big on coming together as a team. So um, I know a lot of people are about that, but, you know, we, we make sure that when we, we come together to celebrate, we're, we're doing that in style and we're making our team feel a part of it. I think the culture we try and foster is that we, and this sounds pretty, pretty um, vulgar, but we just, we've just got a no tool policy, mm-hmm. you know, which we started at the beginning. So, you know, if someone comes in and they're, and they're being, um, you know, if someone's newly new to the team and they're, they're being um, off, off kilter, mm-hmm. maybe a bit out of control, there's a, there's a self leveling within the team that says, Hey, you know, it's not, not the way we roll here. Um, so that's, that. it actually starts to become a, um, you know, its own, thing where it regulates itself our culture because it's so we, we, we don't take ourselves too seriously that's a big part of yeah. what we do yeah.
0: um i think you're being very i think you're being you're being very diplomatic with the no tool policy you you and i both know that's a euphemism for no dickhead policy yeah that's yeah funny, exactly. <laughs> I, I, so, I, I can say it mate don't worry <laughs> yeah that's yeah, good because because
1: there are heaps around and yeah. you, you don't want to let him in because to me it's like you, you know, the more special and the more um, your business evolves, yeah. you have something to protect. So you don't want to be thrown. Like, I don't care about G- GCI. We've, we've had people, significant GCI want to join our business. But to me, it was like, well, I may as well throw a hand grenade in our business. Like, totally. 20, 20. totally. So, so yeah. you've, got to, you've got something to protect. And that, so really, we're, we're environmental protection officers, really. We have to protect the environment we have. That's a big part of it
0: brilliant now i'm glad that it's consistent with my thinking too mate which is you know people feel that, that agents are just obsessed with remuneration but the other two equal um, parameters in my opinion is acknowledgement and recognition and appreciation yeah. actually so they, they're actually equally as important as remuneration and and again as you said people want to feel part of something that's bigger than them um yeah. you know it's actually a human need a biological human yeah. need to, to well, be I on do. purpose
1: Yeah I, I, yeah. I want to yeah. feel
0: like that You want to feel like that yeah. We all do Yep, yeah, Absolutely Mate look I don't want to take any much or of your time. This has actually been a a masterclass mate, Um, whether you're a principal or an agent listening, this is an absolute masterclass. Um, uh, As I said to you, mate, I'm going to, I'm going to catch up with you individually because there's a few things that that you and I want to discuss. And it's just, it's, it's been ridiculous that we haven't had the opportunity to, to to catch up like this before, given, given our tenure in the industry and uh, mate, after this, I can just see that we've got so much more in common than, than what, i uh i I did expect but i'm 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 pleasantly pleasantly surprised so mate i can't thank you enough mate absolute masterclass in in everything you do and also just the fact that you're giving back to the industry and this is what it's all all about and um mate output equals input at some stage and just that whole altruistic approach that you've got to your business and the industry itself mate i really want to thank you
1: Now, mate my absolute pleasure mate and keep up the great work you're doing mate
0: Awesome. All right, listeners, stay tuned for our next session. And Dane, big shout out and mate, um, once again, really appreciate it. Thank you. See you, folks. Bye now.